This should be played at high volume. Live and local, this is the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Saturday, and you know what that means. Finally time for the world-famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no-holds-barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Oh, you You better get ready. Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. Do it. And good morning, everybody. Welcome to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 out in Lake Charles. Hopefully you're having a fantastic Saturday morning. I know I sure am. Even though the Astros did lose last night in one of those mind-boggling ball games of all time for me. And again, I've been watching baseball for about 30 years. And I'm sure a lot of people here in this area have watched baseball a lot longer than I have. I've seen some absolutely mind-boggling games. But in the World Series, you have a 5-0 lead. Very much a lot like the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl with a 28-3 to loss, it happens. This kind of stuff does happen. And I'm not going to try and blow up the opening segment here. But it further proves why JV may not be the greatest pitcher of all time. He's a great regular season and postseason pitcher. World Series, not great. Don't believe me? Go look at the last three decades, which is wild to think about. And we'll talk about that and more with a guy, Chris Gordy, at the bottom of this hour. But in the meantime, and in between time, I think we need to get down to brass tacks and talk about, really, what's causing all this? What's causing my mood to kind of escalate up to some frustrations on this Louisiana Saturday morning? Let's get to it. Saturday. Oh, testify! It's time for your Saturday sports sermon. It's simultaneously amazing and disappointing seeing how quickly the Chicken Littles have come out and come to roost, if you will, for these New Orleans Saints. The Saints fans that are Chicken Littles are absolutely going worst-case scenario. And why am I thinking that? Because I talked with that guy, Matt Miguez, earlier this week about the fact that, you know, the Saints team not necessarily doing well, obviously. There's a lot of reasons why. It's not just... Jameis Winston's play it's the injuries that are plaguing this team it feels like to a certain extent this team has the plague with how many injuries this team has had over the last two three years and especially the last two and our guy Matt Miguez I talked to him off the air earlier in the week I believe this is like Tuesday or Wednesday and he was already jumping off the proverbial bridge saying that the fans need to get their paper bags ready because it's time to get ready for the dark ages the new dark ages if you will of your Saints fandom. Is it a bad situation right now? Of course. I never said it was all sunshine and rainbows. But it's not anywhere near the return of the paper bag era because of one down year. Yes, you had a down year in 2021, but you can talk a lot of that away due to the fact that you were without your star quarterback for the better part of a year. You had injuries plagued this team left, right, and sideways. You had one game where half of your team was ravaged by COVID. 
and you had to throw out Ian Book, a rookie who isn't even a part of an NFL roster anymore, at least at last I checked. So you have that. It's one down year, guys. It's not the beginning of the end of the golden age. At least I hope so. But I'm definitely more trusting of Mrs. B and the rest of the crew over on Airline Drive out in New Orleans. I'm definitely uber confident they've been able to show the ability to right the ship. There might be a few years where you have seven and nine or better yet, you know, seven and ten, eight and nine type years because obviously it's a 17 game schedule nowadays, but they've shown that they can get out of that purgatory. And I say, I'm going to go ahead and call it going forward. The seven and nine, the seven and ten, eight and nine seasons. Those are now in my mind considered the purgatory of the NFL where you're not good enough to make the playoffs, but at the same time, you're not bad enough to get a good draft pick. That's where the Saints have were in those middling years in the mid to 2010s. And they were able to bounce back within two years after that legendary 2017 draft and make it to the NFC title game. We don't talk about what happens in the game itself, but they got there. And if they have slightly sub 500 seasons for a couple of years, it's not break out the paper bags. That's not what this is. And here's the thing. People are jumping off the bridge whenever it's an NFC South. I guess the NFC South and the NFC East basically traded everything because obviously the Saints traded some key draft picks and also traded a really good cornerback over to the Philadelphia Eagles. Hashtag go birds. Hashtag boo Phillies. Now you look at this, like the way these two divisions have swapped, because for years the NFCs has been the jabroni, where basically a team could be six and ten some years and make the playoffs. That's not the case. This is looking more like 2014-2015 NFC South, where a team with a seven and nine record could win the division. And the Saints, yes, they have a lot of ground to cover because obviously they lost two out of three against their divisional opponents. They've got to split the rest of the way and sweep the Atlanta Falcons to have a snowball's chance and everybody else kind of falls apart and eats themselves alive in a sense. They've still got a chance to get to the playoffs. It's a long shot because you've got to win your division, which I said to you back in May that if you want to make the playoffs, you've got to win the freaking division. I didn't know how bad this division was going to wind up being because Tom Brady decides to come back out of retirement and winds up being the worst decision of his life, not just in his pro football life, but his personal life as well. But again, they've got a chance to get things done. And again, if you have some sub-500 seasons for a couple of years and it builds up to a crescendo where you're able to get back into contention very quickly... I'm all the way here for it. It's nowhere near time to break out those Saints paper bags. That said, this team, a lot like 90% of squads in this league. Don't believe me? Go look at New England. Going back to Tom Brady. How long did they have a great quarterback leading that franchise? They had 20 years of Tom. Touchdown Tom was absolutely phenomenal. As much as I hate the guy, he was phenomenal on the field. And now he has gone to Tampa by the Bay and the Pats have struggled to find their 
true Tom successor. It was a pretty seamless transition going from Drew Bledsoe to touchdown Tom. But it's very difficult for that to happen. I've talked about it before. Dallas Cowboy fans here in this area. I know you are few, but many. A lot like Never Nudes. They are dozens of you in this area. But there's no doubt in my mind that you remember when the Dallas Cowboys' Troy Aikman retired. How long did it take you to find a quarterback that could get you to the playoffs and be a consistent contender? Took you a while, didn't it? Very much a mediocre franchise for almost 15 years till Tony Romo started to get things put together. And then Dak Prescott came in. You got lucky. But again, they weren't great elite quarterbacks. It's very difficult to find an elite quarterback. At the end of the day, right now, this team is going to be carried on how this quarterback position is going to be used in 2023. And based on how Dennis Allen has talked about the current state of QBs, he's ride or die with the red rifle, Andy Dalton. Is it the right idea? Maybe, considering how you don't know how bad the injuries could be for Jameis Winston. A back injury ain't nothing to mess with, because that's something that's going to affect you, not just for a little while, but probably for your entire life after football as well. So if Andy Dalton can get his act right, I know the the two pick sixes and the third interception, that's not looking good for him, for his future, and for the Saints' future. But at the end of the, end of the day, if you can have somebody like that and maybe get a QB, a decent QB, I would say, to be an understudy to Andy Dalton, I think that'd be great. But of course, the Saints drafting quarterbacks, the history of that, not necessarily all that great. See the last two, Ian Book and Garrett Grayson, how much of a nightmare that was get, having those two guys because those two were NFL not for long. But if this is the last time we see Winston in the black and gold, I think Andy is our guy for at least one more season again. It's all about what they do in the offseason of 2023 because I think there's some quarterbacks out there that could land in that second round range because you don't want to give up your future to go get a Hendon Hooker or a Bryce Young. Definitely not a Bryce Young. Don't believe me? Go look at what the Pats have done to go get Mac Jones. And you saw him almost get usurped by Bailey Zappi, a guy who I didn't know who he was until last Monday night. But I want to get to one more thing before we take a quick timeout. And it's the rumor innuendo surrounding one Alvin Kamara being traded. There's a lot of hot heat surrounding that. And I don't understand the the obsession with tanking and blowing it all up as we are in week eight. And there's still an outside chance, keyword outside chance, of you making the freaking playoffs. Now, I get it. You know, it's all about getting value out of your guys. And who's to say you don't try and pass the buck on him to get something good? But I think it's an uphill climb because of the looming suspension that Alvin Kamara is going to have to deal with. That's the first thing. If I'm an owner, am I going to want to pick this guy up and give him, give this team like first-round picks left, right, and sideways? But no, I, I feel like they're not going to wind up getting that because they know we could have him for a little bit, but who's to say in 2023 he's no longer part of the team because he's suspended for 
eight games, four games, whatever it is, because of this incident that happened at the Pro Bowl this past February. But if that actually is happening and that's actually true, again, a lot of this is rumor mill. It's a lot like the media making a mountain out of a molehill about Zion Williamson wanting to be traded. Anthony Davis before that with the Pelicans. We'll talk about the Pelicans a little bit later on the show, by the way. But they are absolutely out of their minds, the front office, and they should all be drug tested. But it also would prove that they are all in on doing a lot like what the Carolina Panthers are doing and blowing everything up and preparing for a long-haul tank because guess what? We're not getting a damn thing out of Michael Thomas and trading him would be absolutely fruitless. And you might as well ship off Marshawn Lattimore while we're at it. That said, you know, it's absurd to think this is even an idea, especially when you include the Eagles in the mix. And apparently they just are best friends, the Eagles and the Saints, because you have the Saints all the way back in the draft trade up, which actually worked out really well with Chris Olave. Chris Olave has been phenomenal for the black and gold. But was he worth giving up some picks in 2023? Was he worth that? CD Deuce, you got rid of him and sent him off to the Eagles? I haven't really paid attention to how well he's done. But again, the Birds have done well. They're undefeated. They're a damn good team. But how much sustainability is that? More importantly, if you do trade Alvin Kamara and you get some good draft picks, can you actually use them? Can you actually put that to good use? I just think the Alvin Kamara stuff is absurd because you have basically gotten nothing out of the last couple trades that you did with the Philadelphia Eagles. CD Deuce, you basically got rid of them for a washing machine, essentially. And that's a bunch of mess to do that. I don't understand what's going on with the Saints, the front office, and the rumors. Mind you, maybe I'm reading too much into it and I need to try and shut up and let the Saints do their thing because it could pay off at the end of the end of the day. But I do think that getting rid of Alvin Kamara is a massive, massive mistake. All right, it's Under the Dome with CD. Well, when we come back, we're going to get to what happened with week nine of the high school football season and definitely an interesting one, to say the least, especially if you're a fan of Acadiana area football and we're going to talk about that and more right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Chris Gordy joined the program at the bottom of the hour. And we'll talk about the Astros and that terrible, horrible, no good, very bad game from one JV. So keep it locked right here on your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Live. You had a 104.01 Lake Charles. Appreciate you listening in. Going to have on our guy Chris Gordy coming on in about 10 minutes or so. Going to talk about the Astros and what happened in game one. We'll also get to a little bit about the SEC because obviously LSU's on the bye. Alabama's on the bye. And I think we got one of the most important weeks of college football on tap next weekend. But we got something cool that's on tap you need to check out and that is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. It's coming out, and if you want to be one of the first people to see this brand-new movie that's coming out in theaters on November 11th, you'll have a chance to see it on November 10th at the Celebrity Theaters in Broussard. All you got to do is text PANTHER to 337-283-8100. 
for your chance to win a spot for two on the guest list for a private screening of Black Panther Wakanda Forever, again, at the Celebrity Theaters in Broussard on November the 10th. Once again, text PANTHER to 337-283-8100. You can win tickets to Black Panther Wakanda Forever, and it's brought to you by the game Celebrity Theaters and Sherman Insurance. And let's go ahead and get to what happened last night in high school football in and around the Acadian area. Not just on Friday night. We had a lot of Thursday night games, largely due to the fact that you had projected rain, which I'm going to get to right now. Because I love the fact that we kind of, again, made a mountain out of a molehill of the situation. Now, yes, I understand why they went about it, because the forecast was projected to have a ton of rain hit the Acadian area right around kickoff. It was supposed to be a monsoon-type stuff. There was not a drop of rain in the Acadian area. I know there was a lightning delay out in Moss Bluff for Sulphur's game last night, but that was about it. Then I kind of wake up this morning, make myself a bowl of cereal, get myself kind of ready to do the show, making the last-minute preparations, all that stuff. So just as I'm eating my cereal, getting things going, all of a sudden I start hearing the rain. I'm like, wait a minute, is that rain? Because, again, we haven't had rain in a good while. It's definitely been a little different here. It feels a lot like California with the amount of rain we haven't been getting lately. But lo and behold, rain was falling down near the house. I'm like, okay, this is this is not what I expected. And everybody made a big fuss about the fact you had games that were pushed back and moved around because of that. And you wound up having only a handful of games on Friday night. Now, whether or not all of these programs were right, that's a different conversation for a different day. That said, I loved a lot of the ball games that we did have play on Friday night as well as Thursday night, namely Acadiana High. As much of a Karen Girl Golden Bear fan I am and an alum, I got to respect a damn good ball game, and Acadiana High was able to avoid losing three straight towards the tail end of the season in a barn burner against Karen in the open air, Crotome winning 21 to 20 after Cancro missed a two point conversion in the final like two minutes of the ball game. Definitely was a little bit disappointing as a former Golden Bear, but definitely I love a freaking good ball game. Ascension Episcopal blew out Delcom 45 to 7. Barb beat down Como 47 24. Como looking to. Bounce back and end the season with a win when they take on Sulphur on Friday. They're 0-9, which is wild to think about. But don't look now. Barb is looking pretty doggone good at this point in time. Y'all said Erap beat Crowley 39-28. St. Martinville beat Abbeville 42-19. Iota just demolishing Port Barry 55-6. Notre Dame beats Grand Lake 45-7. Lauraville beats Catholic High New Iberia 20 to 17. Catholic High actually is getting rid of their head coach after the season, letting him finish out week 10. But after that, not necessarily much left on his season. That program is three and six. Definitely a long way from what we saw with Brent Indest and crew. OC beats Sacred Heart 40 to 6. St. Ed's beats Westminster 32 to 14. Now, again, these were on Thursday night. Let's get to some of the Friday night matchups. Because after all, we always talk about Friday Night Lights around here. You had a really good ball game 
between Centerville and Highland Baptist. Low-scoring affair, but Centerville comes away with a 14-6 win. Church Point beats Kaplan 36-29. Hanson beats the brakes off of Beauchene 63-22. Cecilia beats Livonia 42-13. A few other games of note. Namely, LCA shutting out North Vermillion, going to make for an interesting matchup to end the regular season between the Cougars and the Knights. Definitely, it's pretty much going to determine what happens with the district crown, even though I think SDMs have virtually locked this up. Turlings beat Northside 45-14 in their homecoming contest. Mind you, Northside definitely probably is a little rattled after yesterday's Stuff, yesterday's things that went on on campus, they wanted to have an evacuation at one point due to a, yeah, a lockdown that eventually led to a, an evacuation. So not necessarily a great time over at Northside on a Friday, but Turlings comes away with a 45-14 victory. St. Thomas Moore taking on Westgate. This was one of the games of the week that people were looking forward to, and the Cougars rolled past Westgate. They were dominant right out the gate. And St. Thomas Moore, Westgate managed to rally back. The score doesn't show how one-sided it looked like to me. But this program, the Cougars have, it continues to roll on with a 42-34 win. At one point, Jim Hightower got ejected from the contest. And based off of the stuff I've been hearing, it's more about the fact that you had the coaches jaw jack with the refs and eventually it led to a second unsportsmanlike conduct on the sideline and because that the head coach does get ejected in that ball game so yeah not necessarily when i saw that he got ejected i was like oh goodness gracious i'm sure our guy danny jones was having a great time on the call of the action when that news kind of threw down then we have Southside. And we keep talking about that program and the things that they're doing. It's impressive. Because not only have you beat Acadiana High and Caracro, two of the most prolific teams in the Acadian area that are not named St. Thomas Moore and LCA, but two of the powers now in Class 5A, and you beat both of those teams, and you win the 3-5A district crown, within the first few years of you being a varsity program, is nothing short of impressive. And they did that, clinching it behind a 38-19 win over the Mighty Lions of Lafayette High. Again, 8-1. and one. I am extremely impressed and proud of those Sharks right now. Sharks are going to wrap up the season against Sam Houston on a Thursday night in the Ville, St. Martinville, that is. Going to be a lot of fun when that matchup does indeed go down. Can the Sharks get to nine straight wins? Would be amazing to see. But that's all future talk, and we got a ton more to get to on this program. But one more thing before we get out of here. I was bringing up Carriker earlier. Of all the programs that we cover here, on our family of Delta Media stations, that means the Bar Buccaneers out in Lake Charles on 104.1, St. Thomas Moore on the game on 103.7 Lafayette, the Acadian High Wrecking Rams, the Southside Sharks on Mustang 107.1, the Wrecking Rams, by the way, on MeTV FM 97.7 FM and 1330 AM, 
The Southside Sharks on Mustang 107.1. The Vermilion Parish Game of the Week on 106.3 Radio Lafayette. And St. Landry Parish Game of the Week on the Talk of Acadiana. That is Newstalk 98.5 and 1520 AM. The Carrico Golden Bears are a lot like the cheese. They stand alone as a team that doesn't have a Week 10 matchup. That's strange as all get out. So again, Carrico Golden Bears have a Week 10 bye. So they'll be refreshed heading into the playoffs, which are very different than they have been in recent years. I don't know if y'all saw this or not, but the LHSA playoff bracket for 2022 is way different than I think any of us expected with how they're doing the select, non-select stuff, where essentially you'll have first-round buys for the first time in ever. It's insane, but you know it makes sense at the end of the day of how they're going to do it. And you're going to have 28 in your non-select, which is going to be teams like Southside in your non-select, Westgate. Your select schools, like your St. Thomas Moores, are going to be in 2014 brackets. And I believe it's the top four seeds in those get first-round buys. No, wait, I think it's the other way around. First four teams in the 2018 bracket, those get buys. And I think it's top eight get first-round buys in select or vice versa. But that's kind of interesting. And again, those brackets will be released on next Sunday. Preferably before the Saints game. We'll definitely be keeping tabs on that. So keep it locked on 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com for the latest information on that front. We'll talk with our guy Chris Gordy next about the Astros in Game 1. Also a little SEC talk as well right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the Astros and LSU Tigers. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Hopefully you're having a great Saturday morning. And if you're an Astros fan, I'm sure there's no doubt in my mind that last night was absolutely frustrating. They blew a five-run lead. As I'm coining it, it was JV's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad game. And to talk about that and more, we got to bring on our guy, Chris Gordy, host on Sports Talk 790 and also the host of the Locked on SEC podcast. Chris, how's it going? And what the heck happened last night? Well, the Astros are into a very dangerous Philadelphia Phillies team. Uh, I was talking about it all week on my radio show in Houston, and you know I had people calling and saying I was being a hater, and oh yeah, you're a Phillies fan, you ought to go fire Bryce Harper jersey and all this. And I said, guys, I'm just speaking facts. This is a very dangerous team, and when you consider this, the Phillies played in the wild card round. They played every series started on the road for them, and they won Game One of every series they've played now in the postseason. They went to St. Louis in one game one. They went to Atlanta in one game one. They went to San Diego in one game one. And now they went to Houston in one game one of the World Series. That's very impressive. And it just shows how resilient this bunch is. And we always talk about it's, it's about getting hot at the right time. The Phillies have been red hot. That said, Astros did have a 5 nothing lead. And, you know, for Justin Verlander to pitch as poorly as he did in those third and fourth innings after how dominant he was in the first couple of innings, Something happened. I don't know what happened, but uh, 
he was not himself, and uh, now, unfortunately, he's he's got stuck with the, um, you know, basically the stats that that he is winless in I think seven tries now in the World Series, and that's crazy considering how dominant he was. He's been. He's probably going to win the Cy Young this year, and um, man, you just don't want to see that. But it, I don't want to put all the blame on on JV. I mean, we talk about the Astros being up five nothing. You know, you went six innings scoring no runs. You, you, the Phillies uh, bullpen just absolutely shut you down and couldn't even find a way to scratch across a run uh, throughout the rest of the game. So uh, both to blame, but you got to turn the page very quickly. You got to bounce back and win today. I get into arguments with a buddy of mine all the time. You know, is this a must win? He says, well, it's not a must win because you're not facing elimination. I see this as a must win. You got to at least split. You cannot go to Philly down 0-2. Uh, granted, they did that in 2019. They lost the first two home games to the Nationals and then went to their ballpark and won the next three. So I, I don't think that's going to happen. Philly's a good team. It's going to be a great environment up there in Philadelphia. But uh, I, I feel like tonight is a must-win for the Astros with Farmer Valdez on the mound. Oh, absolutely. It has to be a must-win ball game because there's no way in Philly right now, especially not just with the Phillies fan base, but the entire city is absolutely like sports crazy right now because not only do you have the Phillies in the World Series, you got the Eagles off to their best start in God knows how long, how they how good they've been this year. You know they're absolutely just ready to explode and climb those light poles once again. Yeah, definitely. And again, those fans like that stadium is just going to be rocking. Uh, we saw them win some, you know, win win both games against Atlanta at home. We saw him win all three games against San Diego at home. So, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be tough to win up there for the Astros. Uh, that said, this is a resilient bunch. This is a team that's been there, done that. They've seen a lot of postseason games. Um, they've won a lot of regular season games. So, I expect the Astros to come back and respond tonight. Talking now with Chris Gordy, host on Sports Talk 790 and a host of the Locked on SEC podcast. Looking at other parts of game one besides Justin Verlander's disappointing performance. How great was it to see Kyle Tucker pretty much put the team on his back with those two home runs, not just like, Oh, wait, they barely got out of the barely across the fence. No, these were absolute moon shots. And the way he just emphasized those bat flips on every one of those, that was amazing. Yeah. And I mean, you consider they were getting, you know, he was getting after Aaron Nola and, you know, that three-run homer came up huge uh, with Pena and, and I think Bregman walked right before it. And it, it's the bottom of the third. It's 5 nothing. You know, I, I've got friends that are tweeting out, Astros are just absolutely crushing the Phillies. I mean, that's what it felt like. It felt like they were going to keep pouring this thing on. This was going to be like a 10 nothing win. And they were going to just, you know, go out there and dominate. And, again, it's what this Phillies team has done throughout the postseason. You know, we saw it in, in the series against Atlanta where, um, you know, or against St. Louis in the wild card round where they had to come back in that game one in a big rally late to win that one. And then, you know, we saw it in, in a couple of games in the San Diego series where they had to rally. So the, the Phillies team has, has been tested and, and they're good at rallying. And unfortunately, like I said, for the Astros, their bats just went absolutely quiet for the last six innings and unable to score any more runs. Chris, you know, looking at what happened with, excuse me, Looking at game two tonight, what's going to be the biggest key for the Astros to, again, win this? And I have to agree with you. It is a must-win game. There is no tomorrow for this franchise. Because at the end of the day, you go into Philly, it's going to be a tough environment. What's the biggest key for this team tonight? 
Well, the tough part is you're facing their best pitcher. Uh, they did flip Nola and Zach Wheeler um, to start games one and two. So Zach Wheeler has basically been their ace all year, and this is who you're going to see tonight. And just go look at some of his box scores throughout the season, and you'll see a lot of six, seven innings pitch, no runs, one run, two runs, no runs. I mean, he is he is stingy. Uh, he has had a couple games where he's given up, uh, you know, four, five, six runs to some teams. And if you go look at those teams, it was Toronto and, you know, the Mets and teams that have pretty good offenses. So maybe that's a good harbinger of things to come that, you know, against good offenses, Zach Wheeler has had some crooked numbers he's given up at at times this year. Um, But he's going to be very good, and they're going to expect him to go deep into this game. And, uh, you know, we saw a lot of their bullpen last night for Philly. They're going to hope that Zach Wheeler – uh, can at least give them six strong where they don't have to go get back into that bullpen again for for more innings tonight. Because I do think the bullpen is hittable for for uh, uh, for the Astros' offense. They just uh, they weren't able to do it last night. But you saw him. You know, you got you got the the first taste out of the way. And uh, I think they you know if they could chase Wheeler, if they could get him out in the fourth or the fifth, I think it'll be advantage Astros because they've got Framber Valdez going on the mound. As we know, Framber this season was just so electric and, you know, set the record for most uh, uh, consecutive quality starts, uh, 16 or 17 wins on the season, a 282 ERA. He was just really, really good uh, all year long. So Fromber's going to go out there. I expect him to dominate and, uh, and give you a chance to win. And again, the bats have to show up. The Bregmans, uh, the Jordan Alvarez's, those guys need to show up. They've been quiet for, a couple of games here, particularly Jordan, since the, the ALCS or ALDS, he's been kind of quiet with the bats. And then the guy who's just been quiet this entire postseason, is Jose Altuve. It's just, I don't know what's going on with him, but he's got to get it figured out and figured out quick. The good news is all he needs to do is turn on one game. If Altuve comes out, out tonight and hits a leadoff home run, hey, it'll feel like uh, the, the woes are kind of behind him. So, uh, But I've just been appalled at how bad Jose Altuve's been so far this year. I agree, but you know, you look at the team as a whole, it's been very much a feast or famine type situation because we bring up the long ball. They've been the kings of that all season long, but in the postseason, it's been nothing short of impressive, but also frustrating because they haven't had a game where they've been able to win almost purely by manufacturing runs. The I'd say I haven't looked at the percentage, but it feels like 70% of the runs that have been scored by the Astros have been home runs. Yeah, and they had the uh, they put up the eight runs in game one against Seattle. But outside of that, man, it's been you know it's been a lot of four to two wins and three to two wins, and you know just struggling finding ways to scrap across runs. And um, you know it's they they have yet to have one of these games where you know and they've had them in the past in the postseason where they win you know eleven to two or you know just put up a big number a big crooked number. So. I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll have one of those games to come in this uh, in this postseason. But I just it, it, they they have to turn the page very quickly from last night because again it was a heartbreaking loss to lose in the fashion that you did. To know you were right there, you know, going into extra innings and you know that in the ninth inning, Jeremy Pena, you know, hits a ball that that falls uh, is falling into shallow right field, and I think it was Nick Castellanos comes in and. Uh, slides and makes a great play on it. But, man, if that ball just lips off his glove, the Astros win it right there in a walk-off. So they were just so close, and it, it stings as, as much as it stings to be that close as you were in that one uh, last night. Again, you got to put it behind your turn on the page and get ready uh, for tonight with a, with a clean slate. 
You brought up Pena. I want to double back to him real quick because he had one play in particular where I think the entire city of Houston held its collective breath on that on that pop-up where he almost dropped the ball. Like, how much was the, that Mid-A-May Park just holding its breath right when that happened? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, there's been a couple moments like that. It, it, what's crazy to me, though, I mean, Pena's been um, – He's been so good this postseason that that's caused us to, um, you know, this caused us to go Carlos Correa who, but um, no, I mean, uh, look, he's been really good defensively. He had a couple errors earlier in the year, uh, but he was able to work through that and and really hasn't had much of that lately. But yeah, I mean, I guess it was, it was ninth inning two outs where he bobbled the pop up, but uh, was able to finish and and make the catch. But yeah, yeah, it, I, I've just been so impressed with the kid. And, again, the fact that uh, in Houston we spent all offseason last year talking about Carlos Graff, pay the man, pay the man. We have not heard one reference of that since because Jeremy Pena has been so good locking down that shortstop spot and been so good with, with the bat in his hands. Drifting away from Astros for a minute, Chris, talking about with Chris Gordy, host of Sports Talk 790, also host of the Locked On SEC podcast, Next Saturday, if the Astros go to Game 7, is that going to be the most important day of sports in the South all year long? Because you've got, you'll have a potential Game 7, Astros-Phils, LSU-Alabama, Tennessee-Georgia, and then you got a, Texas has a big game on November 5th as well. So I think everybody's, the world of sports is going to be diving into the South, and it's amazing to think about. Yeah, I, I joked with Bregman. I said, hey, I'd like to go to the LSU-Alabama game, so if you guys can win this in six that, or, or less, that would be great. Um, yeah, it, it's – I don't know, man. Now, if the Astros come back going tonight, it's going to feel like this thing is going to be trending toward going at least six or seven. So, uh, yeah, it'll uh, – it'll be disappointing to have that game going on at the same time as LSU-Alabama, but – uh, I'll find a way to catch both. But, yeah, it is going to be a massive, massive weekend next next week. Uh, just for the SEC as a whole, I mean, you basically have your your uh, de facto SEC East title with Tennessee playing Georgia and Athens, and then your SEC West title with uh, Alabama versus LSU and Baton Rouge. So, it's and ironically, if you go look at the betting lines on both those games, they're about two touchdowns. Uh, favorites Georgia and 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 Alabama is a two touchdown road favorite. So um, yeah, it's going to be a fun weekend to see how both those teams respond. And you know, for all the media members who voted Georgia versus Alabama in the SEC title game back at SEC media days, this is the weekend that spoils those picks because more often than not, uh, the media does get it wrong at SEC media day when they're picking who's going to play for the title. And uh, how crazy would it be if we're talking about you know? two upset wins, and we're talking about an LSU-Tennessee SEC title game in Atlanta. That's one that absolutely nobody had before the season. Would definitely have the big 2000s vibes, to say the very least, that those two teams do indeed square off. Chris, thank you so much for joining the program. My man, we'll talk to you down the road. All right, let's get a win tonight. Go Astros. Exactly, go Astros. And by the way, you'll hear all the action of the Astros right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles starting at 6.30. Astro launch, and then you got 7.03 first pitch. Game two right here. Game three, four, and five will also be right here on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. That's right. World Series, game three, Robert Ford, Steve Sparks, we're bumping out Monday Night Football. 
trust me, when you have a big game like this, game three over in Philly, there's no doubt in my mind we jump over to Astros baseball. So keep it locked right here. We'll take a quick timeout, wrap of the hour, right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette at 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. Before we wrap up the hour, because we get to the Fave 5 picks to click at the top of this hour, I'm, I'm blown away by saying this, but are the Pelicans good? Like it, It's weird to think about, right? We are about a few games into the season. They are 3-2. and two. They wound up losing a tough one last night to the Phoenix Suns, who are a damn good team. But, of course, losing to Chris Paul always hurts. Mind you, didn't do that much. It was more about Mikael Bridges. He had a big game, 27 points. But, again, they're doing well despite some of the early season issues they're dealing with. Of course, Zion Williamson is hurt. It feels like it's a tradition unlike any other. They were able to come away with a really impressive win over the Dallas Mavericks. Like that alone, and the fact they did that without Zion, without Brandon Ingram, that alone is worth the price of admission. It makes me really think that this team can get to that next level. Now, by next level, I mean make the playoffs without having to deal with a play-in game. The biggest key, though, is obviously getting guys healthy and getting them back. Brandon Ingram, he's not going to be on this three-game road trip on the West Coast against some good teams. Then the one team, which I think Pelicans fans are over the moon, and I think the other 29, 28 teams in the NBA are happy about being 0-5, and that is the Los Angeles Lakers, which as somebody who is like a Lakers fan almost solely because of Shaq, I am all the way here for this. As somebody who isn't a huge fan of LeBron either, it's even it's it's Lanya for me. And at the fact that the Pelicans have a chance, if they manage to get into the lottery and are have a bad enough chance, I'm talking about the Lakers, they could swoop in and get the number one overall pick. Right now, they have a very strong-ass chance to do that at 0-5. And if that happens, Pelicans fans are going to be very, very happy and I think that team may be getting the final piece needed to get to the top of the mountain. Don't believe me? Just go check out who everybody's projecting as the number one overall pick. That cat is pretty damn good. But again, 3-2 and two to start the season. It's not necessarily the greatest record, but it makes me kind of think the Pelicans are actually good. It's refreshing to say that because for a good while, they just never had anything going for them. They start off really well in the preseason, which again, preseason amounts to hill of beans, especially in the NBA. But you started off with a really nice win over the Nets, 131-08. Then you have a really solid, hard-fought win over the Hornets. You lose to the Jazz, but you fight hard and you lose in overtime. So I can, I can talk the two losses for the most part away. He had a hard-fought game. Zion got taken out early with a hip contusion. He could be back Sunday against the Clippers. And if I were putting money on a 
NBA game on Sunday, I'd probably throw a little bit on the Pelicans. I'm sure they're probably a dog right now, but Sunday morning, once more news comes out, I'm sure the odds might wind up shifting a little bit more towards New Orleans rather than Los Angeles if more positive news comes out on the big Z, Zion Williamson. Meanwhile, I'm still laughing at the entire Denver Broncos, Russell Wilson doing high knees for four of eight hours on a flight to London. I'm sure the Broncos players hate Russell Wilson by now, not just because of the fact that he is absolutely ruining this team's chances of making the postseason. Now, I think it's more because of Hackett, who is probably going to be left on the tarmac, Lane Kiffin style, over in foggy London town. Tomorrow, I was just seeing the Jags, something about them playing across the pond and have had good times over there, which is weird to think about the that franchise having good times out in London, but I'm almost certain it's not going to be a good time for the Broncos and Nathaniel Hackett, and if he doesn't get fired after this game, something ain't right. But we'll take a quick time out. We'll get right for hour number two, give you my fave five picks to click for the weekend, and more importantly, give you some idea of what's going on with those New Orleans Saints with Ross Jackson at the bottom of the 10 o'clock hour. We'll be back after this on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And we are your home for not only the Houston Astros, not only the LSU Tigers, but the NFL as well. <laughs> 